Well, I'm going to read from Luke chapter 2, 12, starting from verse 22. And isn't it wonderful that uh, because my chickens make so much noise, my next door neighbor decides to get me back in the pulpit? Uh, no, but as you were reading, Sandra, I have to say the context was very helpful. Uh, and, uh, and I think it was a wonderful reading. So thank you, Sandra. But I'm going to read from Luke chapter 12, starting at verse 22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot worry, since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wild flowers grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Heavenly Father, we come before you, your word, having meditated on the glory of Christ. We have sung that Jesus reigns in this place. And Father God, we know that Jesus reigns in this place. The pastor does not reign. The elders do not reign. Jesus reigns. And Father God, we have just said, come, let us adore him. And Father, we come before you now and we ask you to help us to adore him. As we open your word, help us to know why we should adore him. Why we have freedom from fear why we have freedom in this place. And Father God, we pray now that you bless our hearts, you convict us, you comfort us, and you renew us. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, for those who, uh, most of you know, because I don't stop talking about it, uh, but I was in the Kimberley, uh, and, uh, and obviously I have adjustment issues, but uh, I'm going to talk about the Kimberley a little bit. Uh, when we're in the Kimberley, uh, there's some photos up there for you. Uh, there's no shortage of dangers in the Kimberley. Uh, wherever you turn, there's a danger, be it the heat, be it snakes, be it whatever. But there's one thing when you're near the water and you live in the Kimberley that instills fear beyond anything in the Kimberley. And you can all guess that is saltwater crocodiles, not the freshies, saltwater crocodiles. You see, when you're living amongst saltwater crocodiles, and it's murky water wherever you are, you are always in danger when you're near the water. So Ellie and I used to spend a lot of time in the water, and, uh, and that's just how we lived. Not so much in the water, but on the water. 
Uh, although I, I loved fishing with uh, some mates of mine and there was one time I was in the dark and I caught a saltwater crocodile w when we were fishing for Barra and it came flying onto the shore. We couldn't even see it, we could just hear it and we had to bolt out of there. Uh, there's times where uh, we've helicoptered into places and uh, there's water holes and you never really know if the saltwater crocodiles, because you can't cull them, have made their way into that water hole yet. There's always freshies around, but you don't worry about the freshies. There was the time we uh, canoed down the Upper Ord River, a three-day, two-night canoe trip. Uh, in canoe and uh, there's only freshies in the upper ord but they patrol for salties and they'd had a salt sight sighting of a salty a couple of days before we uh, embarked on our trip. So there's never, there's always a fear of crocodiles whenever you're near the water but the worst time was when we took our boat out uh, in order to in order to just hang out in the lower ord. Now the lower ord is full of saltwater crocodiles and, uh, and there's this boat ramp and it's near the diversion dam and it wasn't flowing very much. We got the boat in easy. We had a great day on the water. But when we came back, they had decided to let more water out of the diversion dam and you can see the dam there. So on the right-hand side is the upper ord, uh, which is patrolled for salties. And often you'll see the salties crossing the road and going in there. Sometimes you'll have, when you're driving, you'll have to wait for a crocodile to cross the road. And I'm not joking, no word of a lie. And then down this side, you can see a salty down there, but in, in, down this side was the boat ramp. And as we brought the boat back, uh, they started letting more water out of the dam. And so as we tried, Ellie, Ellie drives the boat usually, she does all the hard stuff, and as she's driving it onto the trailer, uh, there was such a flow of water, the back end just keep, kept washing out and we couldn't get it on the trailer. And so we brought it over and we put it on the shore and so we decided to tie ropes on all the corners and so we could walk it and drag it because you don't want to go anywhere near the water. But all of a sudden, because we couldn't get it around, I see my wife go into the water, down the boat ramp, to the back of the boat, water up to here. Now this is the place that you take people if they've never seen a saltwater crocodile to see a saltwater crocodile. I don't know what, I don't know if I told her to go in, but I don't think I told her to go in. Maybe I did. That's the kind of husband I am. And, and she, she was dragging the back of this boat around and, uh, and my heart's racing. Her heart is going crazy. I don't know what came over her to actually enter the water, but there was no other way we could get the boat on, and obviously the boat's more important. So there we go. <laughs> but the fear that comes over you in some of these moments is quite remarkable. And there's a, it's, it's the after effect as well. When she'd come out of the water and we realised what had just happened... I've never felt so sick thinking of what could have happened. That's the thing about fear. You just realise afterwards, you go, oh, that was worse than what I thought it was during the time. So whenever you're near water in the Kimberley, you are afraid of crocodiles. What is it in your life that instills fear in you? Is it the fear of the unknown? Is it the fear of a life alone? Is it the fear of death? Is it the fear of heights? Is it the fear of the dark? Is it the fear of other people? Is it the fear of rejection? Is it the fear of social situations? Or perhaps it's something a little more everyday for you. The fear of not having enough money to provide for your family. 
The fear your children won't gain the education you always wanted for them. The fear of losing your job. The fear of contracting COVID. The fear of even coming to church today into a social setting. See, whether you've recognised it or not, fear will always be a part of our life. And the question we're going to ask ourselves today is how can I be truly free from fear? How can I be truly free from fear? Now, the first thing I want us to recognise today is I'm not talking about phobias. So I've talked about crocodiles, I've talked about the dark, I've talked about things, but we're not talking about a fear that is a phobia, that is essentially a medical condition. We are talking about the fears that come by just living in this world, just being a part of a broken, fallen, difficult, uh, hard at times world, full of joys, full of rejoicing but full of pain and full of difficulties and full of the unknown what is around the corner what's happening next so i'm talking about the fear of everyday life the fears that come by living life and facing death how can i be truly free from these fears well i tell you what if you google that <coughs> The internet loves that question. And there are books and there are all sorts of things. And uh, I'll just summarise effectively what I came to know from the internet if I want to truly conquer my fear. Firstly, I need to know my own power. Well, essentially, that's telling me that I need to tap into an assumption that I have power on the level of all control over all things. Or it'll tell me just trust myself as if I've proven myself to be trustworthy all my life. Or remind yourself that you are worthy. Well, sometimes I think I'm not worthy. See, some other advice is to just work with children. Now, I don't know how that does anything but make my fear greater than what it is. Uh, throw away the newspapers. Well, that might help, I think. Or just hang out with positive people. See, on the surface, these are good things. But how do you face death with that kind of advice? How do you conquer death? How do you conquer all the difficulties that are in the future? So I'm not sure throwing newspaper away is going to help you in that instance. See, the problem with fear, ultimately, when you drill it all down, is it's a problem where we recognise that we are not in control of all things. So it's a control issue. We start recognising our shortcomings. Ellie's in the water. I can't do anything about what that crocodile decides to do at that moment. See, our, our life can be like that. See, and I know that I'm not always worthy of all the glory, and I know that when I've trusted in myself, well, things have turned out terribly at times. In the passage that I just read, Jesus is dealing with the fruit of fear. And when we fear our future, our security, our status, our financial situation, when we might fear uh, the future for a child that we've had that might have a disability, uh, a broken marriage, or a marriage that is breaking, the future of a career when the boss calls you in and says, guess what, we don't need you anymore. 
So the fruit of all this fear is worry. We worry about things we cannot control. We cannot foresee them. We cannot understand them. We fear them. It may be mild or it may completely paralyze you with fear. See, it's the reason there is a market for fortune tellers. It is the reason that there is a market for false prophets. And Jesus comes here in our passage and he looks at life and says, Do not worry. Do not worry. There's a pandemic. Do not worry. Houses are over a million dollars in our neighborhood now. And in 20 years, I've saved $5,000. Do not worry. Our education system is teaching our kids all these things about their identity, which is so contrary to the Bible. Do not worry. My child has been diagnosed with a terminal illness. Do not worry. I've been in pain for weeks, for months, for years. All I see is darkness because of my depression. Do not worry. What kind of advice is do not worry? But Jesus says, do not worry. And then in verse 32, he says, do not be afraid, little flock. Do not fear. Fear not. And look at the worries he tells us not to worry about. In verse 22, do not worry about your life. Do not worry about what you're going to eat or about your body. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. In verse 29, he says, do not set your heart on what you eat or drink. Don't worry about it. Maybe Jesus wasn't Aussie after all. He would fit really well in our culture. She'll be right, mate. No worries. But did you know there's an article that's, uh, or the study that's been done of 50,000 Australians, 72% are worried about climate change. 62, sorry, 72%. 62% are worried they wouldn't have enough money in retirement. 56% were worried about their health. 45% were worried they couldn't afford a home to live in. 37% were worried about ter- terrorism. The home of no worries is full of worry. See, these are fears of the unknown. These are all the things we cannot control entirely. And here Jesus says, do not worry about them. But he doesn't say, do not worry because you can trust in yourself and you'll come through. He doesn't say, recognize the worth that you have intrinsically within yourself. He doesn't say that, uh, just tap into the power that is within you. He says the reason we need not to worry is because there is someone else in control. There is someone trustworthy beyond ourselves. There is someone who is worthy and whose power is limitless. And the greatest thing about this person he talks about is that he is your father. He is your father, the trustworthy, faithful father full of intrinsic worth, the worth that we cannot tap in and of ourselves. Verse 24. He says, this person 
loves you. This is a father who loves you. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them and how much more valuable you are than they. See, one of the joys living in the mountains are the birds. You know what? I hardly see a raven and I'm very proud of that. I'm not proud of it. I'm just happy about it. See, like many of you, we are blessed in our home, in our yards with king parrots, finches, black cockatoos that fly over. You can hear them, the gang gangs. I love that. I race outside every time I hear them. I see some eye rolling. Uh, some people don't like them. And, uh, and I race out and you just see these gang gangs flying over. You, know, you see the rainbow lorikeets. The, the whip birds I saw when I was doing blue gum uh, swamp the other day. A whip bird's basically here to the microphone. It was wonderful. And then it whipped and, gee, they're loud. <laughs> I think that one, that one. See, whether it's the lyre birds that are scratching for critters or the cockatoos destroying our, cheese, uh, destroying our trees. Jesus is saying, have you ever seen a malnourished bird in the mountains? Have you ever seen a bird in the wild in the mountains that doesn't have a beautiful shiny coat that is clothed in splendor? No. Now between living in the Kimberley and, li and coming here, we had a two-year stint in Blacktown where I was born in, in Western Sydney. And there are not the birds. There's the odd a rainbow lorikeet. But there's only one type of bird that is ubiquitous in all of that area and you all can guess what it is. Well, no, there's a lot of birds actually. But this one bird I really despise, the ibis. Hey, there we go. Oh, the groan. They are everywhere. There's a bin. And there's a reason they're called bin chickens. See, they are bin chickens. You want to find an ibis, you go and find a bin. They are scrawny, they stink, their feathers have no shine, and where there is an ibis, I would prefer not to be. But have you ever seen an ibis in the wild? Two very different ibises. So I remember the first time I saw one around wetlands. I was actually blown away by how beautiful they can be. Shiny coats, they're not foraging everywhere, worried that they, where they're going to get the next meal. They go and find it when they need it. See, their feathers shine and they are living in abundance. And in many ways in this passage, Jesus is saying, are you living like a bin chicken or are you living like an ibis in the wild? That's what he's coming this, bringing this down to. See, those of us who live like bin chickens are weighed down with worry. We need more than 24 hours a day to scrounge through the bins, to build a bigger house, to build a bigger nest egg, to get a better, more prestigious education. And while we wear glossier clothes, we are run down, we're exhausted, we have no shine on our true coat. We are just chasing after the next meal as if no one is there willing to give it to us. As if we have bought into the world to say, you are alone and you do it your way and it's up to you. 
We are living like bin chickens and we are so exhausted that we look ragged and that we are building silos, we're storing it away and we just can't get enough. But have you ever seen someone at peace and living in the wetlands? Well, that kind of person often doesn't have a big house and they often don't have all the things that the world tells them they need to have. But I tell you, the contentment and the peace and the shine on their coat, it comes flooding out of their eyes. They are at peace with who they are. They are at peace with who their God is. They are at peace with what the next stage unfolds because they have no idea, but they know that someone does. See, those ibises of our culture living in the wetlands are very thankful and they're full of gratitude for everything they have because God provides what they need. They don't need the, the, the bigger barns. They don't need the bigger silos. They are set free from accumulation and gain and want and desire of all the things of the world to build a kingdom and a legacy and all those things because they know what their kingdom is, they know what their legacy is and they know who they are. And their whole identity is bound up to the one who has the power, the trustworthiness and all the things of worth. And they call him Father, Abba, Father. See, Jesus here is saying, stop chasing after all these things like a bin chicken. Stop trying to control more than you need to. Stop seeking after riches that are beyond your needs. And why is he saying this? Your heavenly Father loves you. He loves you. He even loves you more than birds. It's a pretty low baseline, really, when you think about it. If you go back to creation, and I'm not going to, I would have loved to and had a look at creation and gone, hey, look, where are we in the pecking order? Sorry about the pun. I just made that up. See, why do you not have to worry? Well, verse 24 says, because you are valuable and not because you are in and of yourself of great worth, but your father has bought you back. He's redeemed you. He's poured out everything for you. He's given everything for you. He has sacrificed his one and only son to build you into a kingdom. He loves you. If you ask him for bread, he's not going to give you a stone. And why do we not seek to build our own kingdoms? We'll have a look at verse 32 there. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. And what's the kingdom? God's kingdom. The kingdom that is from first to last, that is everlasting, that will never perish, spoil or fade. 1 Peter 1 verse 3 he is storing up an inheritance for you that will never perish, spoil or fade. And you're going after things that moth and rust are going to destroy. It's not that he's giving you stones. You're actually seeking stones. You're trying to build more stones. 
and you've got your beaks in a, in a, in a, like a bin chicken in a bin. See, don't be ruled like a bin chicken. Trust the one who is trustworthy, the one who is in control of all things, the one who clothes the lily with splendour, the one who provides the seeds for the bird when they need it. Have a look at verse 33 here. He goes beyond just saying, don't seek after. But when you are blessed abundantly, he says, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. He's saying, trust your heavenly father to provide everything you need and he will give you an abundance anyway. And then when you receive that abundance, give it away. Bless those around you. Demonstrate the character that God demonstrates upon you. Because he sums it up all in verse 34. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And if you hadn't figured this out yet, there is only one thing God desires from you. He doesn't desire your riches. He doesn't even desire the money that gets put into the offering plate. He can, he, he can, he can get what he needs. There's one thing. From the beginning of creation into all eternity that God has always desired and we always fail to give him, and that is our hearts. Because your heart will be what you are valuing. Your heart will be where you believe your kingdom is. Your heart will believe where you believe you, will be where you believe your future is. And all things will pass away. But your relationship with God and the things of the kingdom of heaven and the inheritance that you will inherit will not. And if you want to sum up what the difference between a kingdom of the world is and the kingdom of heaven is it is the difference between chasing after things and chasing after people the kingdom of heaven is made up of people the kingdom of the world is made up of things that moth and rust destroy seek after people bring the good news into their life seek to, to bring them into relationship with God see if your treasure is the garbage of the world. You are like a bin chicken. But if your treasure is in building up the kingdom that you're inheriting, then your heart will be in that kingdom and you'll be set free to glorify God, to praise him and enjoy him forever. That's why we do not need to worry. How can we truly be set free from fear? Well, fear will always be there, but it will not rule you when you know that you have a heavenly father in control. You have a heavenly father that loves you, that gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have it, has eternal life. That you truly believe that providing out of the bins of the world is not going to give you security is not going to give you all the things your heart desires, is not going to fill that God-shaped hole in your heart. The only thing that will do that is by giving it all over and surrendering it to the God that we love. 
but whom has first loved us. So let's walk out of here not as bin chickens. Let's walk out of here as an ibis that is flying free in the wetlands of God's grace. We sang a song earlier, Freedom Reigns in This Place. Why? Can you remember what the lyric was? Because mercy and grace is poured out upon us. That is where true freedom is. And that is how we become a, a true free ibis when we were once a bin chicken. Let's pray. Father God, this is a, it's a tough passage on many, in many levels, Lord. Uh, fear will be with us. We know that. It's part of this world. But Lord, when we fear the future and when we fear the things we cannot control, help us to recognize you as our Lord and Savior. Help us to put our trust in the Lord Jesus. As he says in this passage, oh, you of little faith. Have faith. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be given to you. For Lord, we know that where our treasure is, our heart will be also. And so Father God, I pray for each of us that we will walk from here in the state of renewal that comes only by knowing that you are in control, you are worthy and you are full of faithfulness. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.